Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. The Revolution posted Nashville SC on Wednesday night, and it led to a very Nashville result, a 0-0 draw. Really nothing very exciting in this game, but the Revolution take a point away and increase their lead in first place in the standings. Uh, but obviously a lot to talk about, even though the game wasn't that thrilling. A lot of news since we last spoke to you with Matt Turner uh, and Henry Kessler winning the Gold Cup in the uh, for the United States in the Gold Cup final. Uh, and also some news about Carles Heel, uh, who is mysteriously out of the lineup this week. So uh, without further ado, I want to bring in uh, Sam Minton from the Bent Musket. This is the first time I've had Sam Minton on the podcast. And as I mentioned last time, uh, I'm now a contributor to the Bent Musket. So I get this is the first time I'm ever introducing my boss, Sam Minton. So, boss, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Really excited to finally have a podcast with you. I mean, I, I appreciate it. And I just love that you call me boss every single chance that you get. I know you love it. This is a joke that you love so much. It reminds me of when I was dating my wife in the first couple of years of dating. Uh, when I'd introduce her after we moved in together, I started introducing her to people as my roommate. And I probably got away with that five times until she pulled me aside and said, you need to immediately stop that. And I'm getting that kind of vibe from you right now. Uh, so I'm going to give it maybe one or two more podcasts that we do together while I'll call you boss. Uh, but then after that, I, I think you're going to give me a death glare uh, and that'll be that. But uh, Sam, Let's talk about this game, uh, what we can from it. Really not a whole lot happened. Nashville played kind of a B-team, bunkered in. Um, the Revolution failed to break through, obviously missing Carles Hill in this game. Um, and, yeah, just a very Nashville, you know, the, Nashville's very happy to take a point and get out of town. And the Revolution, I don't think we're, I don't want to say we're too upset, but I think they kind of understood a draw as a draw. Um, what was your key takeaway from this game? Yeah, you know, obviously with Carlos Heel out, you saw Kajon Buchanan slot into more of a central role, more of that number 10 role. And overall, I thought he did a rather good job. You saw some times where he was able to use his pace to still, you know, get by defenders and draw fouls. But it's also nice to see him get a few more shots than he might have used to. Um, a lot of the shots, you know, were, were outside the box. They weren't exactly the most dangerous. Um, but overall, I think it's a pleasant sign, basically based on the fact that we've seen the Revolution use this sort of diamond formation. And if they are going to use that, the question was uh, with Tejon coming back from Team Canada, where does Tejon fit into all of this? Are you not to take out a guy like Brandon Bay, who's having a pretty decent season? Um, so it seems like, at least for now, um, obviously it'll depend on how long Carlos heals out. But you know, with Tejon showing that he has some of that flexibility, he can still make an impact. Um, you know, drawing fouls and you know using his pace. That you know you could see him operate in a more central role compared to strictly being out on that wing. So it wasn't a very positive night, I guess you could say, for the Revs. Um, even as you mentioned, you know Nashville put up a kind of a B squad. Um, obviously, they had some of the big guns come in um, after the 45th minute. Um, but overall, I think the Revolution probably are a little bit disappointed that they were unable to you know get the three points. Anytime you're dropping points, you're never going to be happy. You're going to be happy that you at least got the draw, but they're probably going to be kicking themselves that they weren't able to do something in that first half. Yeah, and there were a couple of chances, it seemed like, where they, they almost got some penalty kick uh, opportunities. Um, Gustavo Bo looked like he was tripped by Jaleel Anibaba. Uh, I don't have the minute in front of me, but it went to VAR. It was around the 70th minute, uh, and the referee overturned that, and it, it, went, it was ruled that Gustavo Bo went down. And he actually admitted, Gustavo Bo admitted after the game that he told the referee uh, it was not a penalty. Uh, so that was probably you know, the Revs' best chance of the night uh, when it seemed like they were going to uh, get a penalty kick. Uh, there was another play, too, where I think it was a Brandon by cross to Adam Buxa, who is Buxa's smothered between Jack Mayer uh, and, and Jaleel Anibaba, and Buxa is essentially sandwiched and, and shoved down. That looked like more of a penalty uh, kick um, opportunity, but that one just went uncalled altogether. Uh, so those were kind of the chances that really the Revs 
were hoping for in, in breaking through because um, really it was a, a just a very tough national defense to break down, especially without Carlos Hill. Um, you mentioned Tejon Buchanan in the 10 role, playing in that central attacking role. Um, I thought he played well. Obviously, there's a little bit of an adjustment, and obviously you have to give him some credit You know, coming out of this Gold Cup. He's only had about a week off since playing Mexico last week. Uh, and to adjust into a new role to play centrally, which is really not an area we've seen him play, um, I, I thought he showed some flashes. Um, now, if you look at his heat map, uh, he still was kind of trending towards the wings a little bit. So at times, it almost felt like a 4-3-3 uh, with a kind of a diamond three in the central of the midfield. And then um, Tejan kind of hanging out on the wings. If you look at his heat map, too, he still is hanging out on the right side a little bit more uh, than the left side. And if you look at Gustavo Bo's heat map, uh, he's on the left wing a little bit more. Um, so, I, I, you know, not to say that Carlos Hill doesn't roam and, and kind of play on the wings sometimes either. So I, I think that's by design. But, um, yeah, this this might be a role that Tejan can fill if Carlos Hill misses extended time. Um, but he's obviously no Carlos Hill. And it's just not a, um, you know, there, there's going to be a bit of a downgrade too. Uh, one question I do have for you, Sam, is that we saw Gustavo Bo take a lot of the responsibility from Carlos Hill. He took free kicks. He took corner kicks. Um, we saw him a little further away from goal than we've seen him in recent weeks, uh, kind of trying, being in that playmaker role and taking on a lot of the playmaker responsibilities. Uh, how, how did you think he did tonight uh, in the absence of Carlos Hill? Yeah, I think overall, you know, there's definitely some positives takeaway. Essentially, you know, with Carlos Hill, uh, Gustavo, I mean, has a green light to shoot pretty much almost from everywhere you saw that you know he was ready to take shots tonight and he mentioned the post-game press conference you know they were unable to really get into the box so he was trying to take advantage of those shots outside of the box but when it came to something like set pieces um especially you know on corner kicks I noticed it wasn't as you notice a drop off obviously it just seemed like compared to when you have Carlos Heel you know taking a set piece or taking a corner um, when you have Gustavo Bo um, doing that, there just didn't seem to seem there didn't seem to be that level of threat, and it just didn't seem like there really was any sort of opportunities. It kind of looked like you saw some miss hits as well too. So when it came to the set pieces, it seemed like that was the drop off where you notice that we definitely do not have Carlos Heel. But you know, I thought as a captain and kind of just you know, like you mentioned, tracking back and doing more of the the hard work, the dirty work. Obviously, he did pick up that yellow card, which had a lot of people nervous when he went down because having Gustavo go down and Carlos would just be an absolute nightmare. Um, but overall, you know, I thought I thought he did a decent job. I won't act like he had an amazing game, but, you know, especially on those set pieces, you notice a drop-off from Carlos Hill. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And, and just, you know, I know we went through a full 2020 season with Car- Carlos Hill, uh, and that kind of showed us how important he is to this team. Uh, and it, it feels like we're reliving this nightmare all over again where Gustavo Bo has to play a position uh, where he's not as uh, effective. Um, and he, he still is, you know, fitting in you know, well and, and does a decent enough job. But there were certainly some crosses tonight that uh, – or not crosses, but some set pieces and some corners that – Really, you know, you have to think that if Carlos Hill has taken them, uh, they're a little bit better. Uh, they, they lead to some better chances. Um, the one uh, play I think that deserves a lot of credit from Gustavo Bo is he has a very beautiful um, left-footed cross to Teal Bunbury in the 90th minute. That was probably the best chance from the run of play from uh, the Revolution. And Teal Bunbury heads it on the goal, but unfortunately it was right at Joe Willis or a little bit to his right. It was an easy save. So I, I give Gustavo Bo a lot of credit um, but again, this isn't really something I want to relive uh, from 2020. It's not, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of concern uh, if we're missing Carlos Hill uh, for an extended amount of time. And we did get a, a comment from Yaman's dude on Twitter who says that tonight's struggle uh, to create was less about Carlos being out and more about Nashville coming to play for a point. Abolish Gary Smith, uh, which is also a very good point. This is really, I, I, I think this is another, I'll say, key takeaway. Um, and maybe this will be my key takeaway because I really don't have a whole lot of things to talk about tonight. But this is really not the opponent you want to face when you're missing your, your key playmaker. Um, you know, most teams are playing open. Even if Carlos Hill was in this game, you know, Nashville was going to sit back and play for a point. And, you know, I don't know how many goals you would have scored against them regardless, even if you were at full strength, even if you did have Tejan Buchanan uh, a little bit more rested uh, than he is from coming off of the Gold Cup. Or, you know, Buxa and Bo and all of them have been playing game after game, and this is a midweek game, it's in the rain. Uh, there were a lot of factors that came into play that led this game to 
pointing towards this game being a low scoring affair. And I can't say I was very surprised from it. It was very ugly soccer. So as as much as I am kind of hitting the panic button on Carlos Hill and I, I'm not thrilled to see him out and uh, hope he comes back soon, uh, I'm still not completely hopeless. And I, I still don't think that this is going to be the norm uh, for the revolution if he is out uh, a decent amount of time. Um, although, and I'll also add to that, we have Philadelphia this weekend, too. And that's another opponent, too, that I think is pretty hard to break down. So we might go two games that are with 0-0 zero, zero, uh, or maybe one goal score between the two two games. But uh, I still don't think that's a fair representation of this team without Carlos Hill. Yeah, and I think also, too, and just obviously with Nashville, they were they were doing rather well. And, you know, they were on the attack, um, you know, especially in those last games. You kind of saw them go out with the scoring outburst. But when you saw the lineup that they put out, you saw guys like Leal and... Um, CJ Sapong on the bench. It's you kind of got the sense that yeah, they're this is going to be a classic Nashville game where we've seen it a ton of times with the Revolution that they just sit back, you know, park the bus, and especially you know they've done it before the Revolution where they've gotten a goal and they just absolutely you know park the bus. And it was just even though they were unable to get anything, um, Nashville, they once again just parked the bus and play for the draw. And, you know, credit to them, they were able to get a job done in their standpoint. Um, but, you know, I definitely think the revolution will be kicking themselves that they were unable to get anything going. Yeah, definitely. I think a weekend uh, B team uh, Nashville lineup, uh, you know, no Walker Zimmerman, uh, no Sapong in the starting lineup. There were certainly some players missing from this lineup that you would were happy to see not in the starting 11. Uh, but Gary Smith brought in some players, uh, Godoy and, and Sabong, And, uh, you know, I think they were a more dangerous team in the second half. And that was very well by design by Gary Smith to sit back, kind of kill as much clock as possible. The Revs had 71% possession in the first half, uh, and then around the 60th minute bring in uh, some players that can attack offensively. And there were a few balls in in the uh, you know Revolution third, especially towards the end of the game there. There was kind of a sloppy clearance by Brandon By that led to a ball being thrown across the face of goal. And you know, there, there were a couple of dangerous balls there deep, uh, and Nashville also had a couple of plays where they were trying to boot it long, and I thought Henry Kessler and Andrew Farrell had some really good tackles today to kind of snuff those out. Normally, that's an area that the Revolution defense is a little bit weak or a little bit shaky, um, and we've seen some goals, you know, come from long balls, but for the most part, um, those were snuffed out today, and I, I really don't remember many Nashville, dangerous Nashville counters um, in this match, so... Uh, yeah, I give Gary Smith a, a you know really good game plan by him. He rested some starters, uh, and he got out of New England with a point. So, uh, yeah, I, we kind of played into Nashville's hands, but I, I don't think we can be too mad about it. And on the whole, I don't think we learned too much about the revolution tonight. Uh, one note here I want to point out, Sean Donahue of the podcast tweeted out that the final expected goals, Revs 0.74, Nashville 0.49. Uh, so a really, really sloppy, not a lot of chances uh, between these two teams, I feel terrible for anyone who had to sit in the rain uh, throughout this game. But uh, you know, I, I guess they were the man of the match for actually showing up and sitting through this one on a Wednesday night. But Revolution's winning streak is over, but they're extended their unbeaten run to five games, so there are some uh, positives in this game tonight. Uh, hey Sam, one more note here before I move on. We did get a question from James Downing. He actually wanted to talk on a number of points from this week, one of which being the officiating in this game. I already mentioned the two plays. Uh, in VAR, there were a couple of questionable yellow cards that went to the Revolution in the first half. Did you have any issue with the officiating tonight? Obviously, it didn't come into play at the end of the day. I think this is a very fair result. But uh, did you have any beef with the referee or the officiating tonight? Um, yeah, I'd say overall, I thought they did a decent job. Um, the only complaint, major complaint I'll have is, you know, the bow call. Obviously, we know more about it with Bo saying that he literally told the ref that it wasn't a penalty. Um, but you know, the fact that they went to VAR and it took that long, it's just something that you see with instant replay in any sport, really, that if it's something that has to be clear and obvious to overturn, if it's taking this long to overturn, maybe you just stick with the call that's on the field. Obviously, again, now we know a lot more, um, thanks to Gustavo, but I think overall that would be the only real gripe. The Captoon call might've been a little soft. Um, but overall, I think it was a pretty, it was a decent game. And like you said, it wasn't anything where the officiating actually affected the game. It's a fair result for both teams. So I wouldn't say there's there might be some calls you can complain about. But overall, at the end of the day, that wasn't the reason why either team is not able to score a goal. Yeah, agreed 100 percent on that one. I don't, I don't think you can really point to the referee in this one as having an effect either way. And certainly not every call was perfect. But, uh, you know, I, I 
I can't sit here and complain too much. I've certainly seen much more worse officiating games. And a uh, very good point, too, about Bruce Arena uh, getting in that comment about how VAR is still not very efficient. It did take an extremely long time, I think about five minutes, um, for really a call that I didn't think needed five minutes of review. Uh, even just the referee getting over to the uh, VAR stand took a long time. So, yeah, still not efficient, still taking a little bit too long. But um, I can't say that you know waiting for VAR was any more thrilling than the actual game tonight. Uh, what, well, we've been talking about Carlos Heel a lot. Uh, we've alluded to it. We need to get into why, you know, the, the Carlos Heel news, because this is pretty big. Most of our listeners probably know, but if you don't know this, uh, the Bent Muskets Seth McComer reported this week that Carlos Heel is going to be out for three weeks with a sports hernia injury. Um, not a whole lot is known. This was confirmed by a couple of other people on Twitter. Most notably, Revolution Nation confirmed it, uh, and then I believe Gustavo Lopez uh, also confirmed this. He's also uh, a media member uh, who can seem, seemingly confirmed it today uh, at training. And then Bruce Arena went on 98.5 uh, for his weekly interview and didn't outright deny it, uh, didn't outright confirm it either. He noted that Carlos is not expected to miss time, and if he does, it's going to be a short-term injury. Uh, which again doesn't give any idea of when you know wh- what the timeline is. There's really lacking details. Um, and then Sam, you mentioned in the post conference press conference uh, after the game, you asked Bruce directly if uh, Seth's reporting was accurate and what part of it was accurate. And Bruce essentially said they have an announcement later this week. Uh, so Sam, uh, with all that being said, what's your level of concern here? Uh, what what do we make of this news? Yeah, I think overall, when it comes to my level of concern, I'm concerned that Carlos Heel is hurt. Um, obviously, you know, Seth was reporting that, and I very much trust Seth's reporting. Um, he's gotten plenty of stuff right, and even just when it comes to my time at the Bent Musket. So I know a lot of people were going at him, but if there's anyone you should trust, it's definitely Seth. Um, but overall, I think I don't think, like you mentioned, you can't take a lot from this game. I think maybe against a different ty- type of team, different style of play you might see you know this team look better but obviously if you're going to miss uh carlos heel for any amount of time it's going to be a big deal he was an mvp candidate he had this team at the top of the supporter shield losing a guy like that doesn't just impact the revolution and it impacts the entire league and i think just overall you know from the team obviously they're not going to disclose anything that they don't have to uh three plus weeks is a short amount of time compared to like six months. So take that with green assault. Uh, Bruce, when I asked him very quickly, uh, said that they'll have an update. So he didn't flat out deny it. Didn't flat out say it was true. So I think there's a lot to consider when it does come to this injury, but overall missing Carlos Hill is a big blow. He's been having a great season. Seemed like we were going to see him break that assist record. Now I don't know about that. Um, but overall, I, you'd like to think that, you know, with a player like Tejan, they would be able to get through. You also have guys like Arnold Tristison, Wilfred Captoon. You just hope that they'd be able to at least survive. But if they play like they did tonight, um, obviously, again, Nashville was, you know, parking the bus. But if they play like this tonight, we could see them drop some points. And that could affect, you know, whether it be Supporters Shield or just overall how they finish. You know, that could affect um, how the Revolution look going into the playoffs. Yeah, and I I think they three weeks is about five games, so it's a pretty congested part of the schedule, which is not good to, to miss your best player. And then I think the All Star game is right after that too, which Carlos Hill got uh, his, his uh, got voted to the All Star game. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit later, but um, yeah, not good, pretty concerning. I'm really confused to why this is not being confirmed or released by the team. Uh, now, we, we, for those of you not on Twitter, there were some skeptics of uh, Seth's reporting, which I, I'm very disheartened by because Seth has been one. You know, he's been covering the team longer than I have, and I started covering the team in 2014. Very few people have covered the team as in depth uh, and and as well as Seth has, uh, and he's broken news before, and it's always been right, uh, and and it's really unfortunate to see people not give him the benefit of the doubt uh, and you know it playing into that too I, I think it shows you why some people you know there's there's not a lot of pluses to covering the team and it's really discouraging when someone is covering the team out of his passion for the team and his love of the sport uh, and and people are kind of giving him trash about it so I just want to get that out of the way that you know Seth is not operating in bad faith as some have you know accused him of uh, and I, I know they're doing it out of anger over the news 
Uh, but with that being all said, assuming this news is true, um, I'm confused to why it's not confirmed. You know, the revolution certainly, you know, know this news is out there. I, you know, I, I, Seth does not make this up. I, I got to say that. So I'm curious if there's a misdiagnosis or if they need a second opinion. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Bruce Arena said it on his interview earlier today that he's, you know, fine and he's not going to miss any time. But if he does, it's a short term injury. And then we, we see today that he's out. So it's very, very clear it's something. Uh, maybe it's one game. Maybe it's three weeks. Maybe it's five weeks. We, we don't know. But um, the fact that he is not giving more clues to this makes me concerned that maybe this is a bigger injury than we currently know or that Seth has reported on and maybe three weeks is what's expected right now. Uh, but if it is a bigger injury, you know, I, I'm concerned that there might be a second opinion and later this week we're going to learn about that second opinion or, or you know, they, they want to just confirm before they, they treat this properly. Uh, and, and I'm gonna also going to add this. A sports hernia, three weeks is on the lighter side. This is a minor injury in terms of a sports hernia. Um, I, I think Artur over in Columbus uh, just had surgery. He's out most of the rest of the season. So, I, I, you know, I, I'm not trying to start any conspiracy theories here that there's more to this. Uh, but certainly the fact that the revolution haven't come out and said, oh, it's just three weeks. It's just a minor injury. That news isn't that bad. And it's already out there. So why don't you just say that? Uh, and the fact that we're not getting those clear answers is a concern to me that further examination is needed. And if this answer of further examination is surgery, the revs are screwed. Uh, so that's, again, I don't want to sound alarm bells because I don't know that. The best reporting we have on this is Seth. But I, I, I'm very confused why the revolution don't just come out and say Carlos Hill is out three weeks. Everyone knows about this report. So I don't I don't fully understand um, the hesitancy to give the media and the fans an update. Yeah, and overall, too, you know, you kind of mentioned it, just the fact that it doesn't really do any harm in saying that something that's already been reported is true. The only way it does harm is if you then have to come out and say, no, it's actually longer. So I just think overall, you know, when it comes to that, it just seems like a very easy thing to do. I know that the MLS has apparently become the NHL when it comes to injuries where we're just going to say lower body or upper body. Um, we're just going to sit where we're, we're going to say out are available or questionable and, you know, just not really disclose things. We're just going to act secretive, you know, compared to prior, you know, prior seasons. But I think overall, if you're just asked a simple question about a player being hurt and everybody knows about it already and, you know, you have, you know, plenty of people, you know, big people knowing about it that, you know, it's it's this well-known news. And again, as we've mentioned before, Seth's probably going to make, make fun of us for how much we're saying he's a great reporter. Um, but, you know, he's he's done the work. And all we can do as the media is just ask questions. And, you know, even myself, I tried asking Andrew Farrell to see if he would say anything. Uh, Gustavo Bo, they all just kind of gave generic answers. Don't blame them. Um, but again, if it is longer... Um, you know, if they do have to get, if Carlos does have to get surgery, that's a damaging blow. That's something where you have to consider, can this team get to an MLS Cup final without Carlos Heel? And if that isn't the case, what does that mean for a player like Tejon Buchanan, who's getting transfer rumors? Instead of having to, having to hold on to him or him willing to stay, he's going to see those transfer offers in Europe. We've heard it, uh, that Champions League team, we've heard Sporting, um, Juventus has been rumored. Um, Bundesliga clubs have been rumored. If you know that your best player is out and Tejan Buchanan or just the general consensus is that this team isn't good enough, it's going to be really hard to keep Tejan Buchanan. So obviously there's plenty on the field uh, implications of not having Carlos Heel, but you also have to consider the off the field ones too, especially with plenty of people around the club getting transfer rumors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I don't think this team is an MLS Cup team uh, without Carlos Hill. I mean, he is up to this point of the season. I think he's the league MVP. So, and and there's just no replacing him. Uh, so it's a it's a tough ask if if he is out long term. But again, I want to be very very clear about it. the reporting right now is that the longest timeline is three weeks. Or I believe the correct wording is three plus weeks, which is a very minor mm -hmm. injury. So from what we know from Seth, this is a minor injury. 
and it shouldn't impact long term. But we had an article uh, today on the the, Beth, the bent musket, Seth, or, or sorry, not Seth, Sam. Yeah, you know what? He was on the last episode. And we're saying Seth all the time. This is it's very confusing. I should have had Jake it's on just to get some different. Yeah. Um, we, we had an article today about our level of concern. Everyone is threes and fours because if you take this news on your uh, on its face, it's one thing. But I, I put my con- level of concern around seven because if this isn't a short term thing, and if this is a lingering issue, or if this is more severe than we currently know of now, then you have a problem. So you know the Revs have built the lead, the uh, in the Eastern Conference standings. This isn't a game breaker. This isn't a game changer. Uh, and I, I think that the Revs can weather the storm throughout August. And I think they'll learn a lot about their team with Carlos Hill out. We will get to, you know, try out different things. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to see who, who can step up when Carlos Hill isn't around. Uh, so it's going to be an opportunity for some guys like Teal Bunbury or, or uh, Tristison or McNamara uh, or uh, Captoom. Uh, we're going to learn a lot about those players this month. So it might not be a bad thing in the end. Um, but as I say, really, I, I, the, the news is one thing that's very concerning, but what's even more concerning is the hesitancy from the team to just say out loud, um, you know, yeah, this is what's going on. Uh, so it's a, it's a bit confusing on that end. Um, real quick, before I get into my next question, uh, I do want to talk about our sponsor, Galasso Kits. Galasso Kits' mission is to bring unique and vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jerseys, jackets, scarves, and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world. The passion for the beautiful game doesn't have borders, and neither does selection, with every corner of the planet represented. Go check out GalassoKits.com for their full selection, and make sure you follow them at GalassoKits on Twitter, and uh, follow GalassoKits on Instagram as well. Uh, They post and update uh, what new inventory has come in weekly. Uh, So you're going to want to see that to uh, get a leg up on everyone else. Uh, And they do have some USA windbreakers uh, from the 1994 World Cup. I talked about in the last episode. There are still a few up. uh, So you're going to want to check those out. Those are some pretty sweet jackets. Uh, And they still do have some revolution items available. MLS items, NCAA, uh, any team in Europe you can think of, uh, they've got it. So whatever you like, Go check it out. You'll find something. And when you do find something, use promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off your order. That's galassokits.com with promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off. The code and links to their website are in the show notes. Sam, Carlos Hill, we're still not done. Uh, transfer window is closing tomorrow. Uh, that's that's taking a back seat. And I got some egg on my face because I've been saying this whole time, the Revolution are obviously going to make some improvements in the transfer window, but... Even before the Carlos Hill news came out, we asked Bruce earlier in the week uh, at his uh, weekly media availability. I actually think this was also Seth uh, who asked this question, but he asked uh, if there is going to be any reinforcements coming in, if they're close to making a signing, uh, specifically the signing that Bruce Arena mentioned uh, a few weeks ago with uh, Elizabeth Hoda on coffee with Coach. Uh, and he has said essentially anything can happen over the next few days, but don't bet on it. Uh, which is a very, very different tone. So he's telling everyone, don't bet on the revolution not bringing in anyone. Uh, so the first question is, uh, are you, you know, what's your reaction to this? What's your, you know, are you surprised by this news? Uh, and then do you think that this might change with the news of Carlos Hill potentially being out for three weeks? Yeah, I think overall, you know, it does. I'm a little bit shocked that they didn't try and boost, uh, you know, the back line. I especially think we've seen it with injuries and call-ups that you really have A.J. De La Garza, and we were almost looking at Colin Verfuth getting playing time and with uh, John Bell being injured. So I think it would be smart to boost it, whether that just be a veteran MLS player um, you don't have to spend a lot to get or just, you know, someone that you can rely on to, you know, be kind of that bench player or, you know, even possibly replace a guy like Andrew Farrell as much as we love. Andrew Farrell, you know, he's had an up and down season, I guess you could say, had some, you know, rough moments. Um, first off, congrats to him. He's now tied with Shalry Joseph for the most starts in Revolution history. Half the believe he'll break that. So it's a great accomplishment for him. Thought he had a solid game tonight. Yeah, save that um, ticket stub on Sunday. He's probably breaking the record. Uh, most starts in franchise history. That's a pretty incredible achievement for someone who isn't even 30 yet. Yes, and, you know, I think you should just use the promo code REGRECAP when you do sell those, and then we'll get 15% off of your cut. Um, And then also, too, you know, I just think you got to boost that position because obviously the midfield, um, when you do have Carlos, is pretty locked down. you got Arna Tristison, you got Captoon, you got Tejan. Obviously, you got Bo and Buxa. 
Um, it was very interesting. Um, obviously, uh, Seth shared an article that came, I believe, from Poland. I, it was definitely in Europe, I can say that. Um, basically talking about how uh, it was from January, and it seems like from the interview that Adam Buxa doesn't plan on being an MLS alum. He wants it to be some sort of you know stepping stone back to Europe. Obviously, things can change. That was in January. We're now in August. Um, but it's very intriguing to see, but I still don't think Buxa leaves. So at the end of the day, I don't really think that Bruce will make a thing, um, make a thing. I don't think Bruce will make a transfer just because if it was with all the news, it'll kind of look like a panic move. Don't think that's what Bruce exactly wants. And, you know, you do risk just kind of making a panic move and, you know, bringing someone in and maybe they're not the right fit. Maybe you overpay. So obviously, you know, we saw last year guys like we win, you know, Tommy Mack and stuff like that. Matt Polster, they came in, they did a good job. But I just don't think they're going to hit the panic button, per se, whether that's just to save face or just because they just don't want to make a transfer. And like Bruce said, it'd be surprising if they do. So I I wouldn't say I would be shocked if there was a transfer, but I don't I can't see it happening. Yeah, I agree. I think Bruce is letting us down easy with his uh, comments earlier this week. And I agree with you. I don't think they're going to be making a panic move. Uh, in the wake of this Carlos Hill news, because first off, there's no re- replacing him. Uh, you just can't find someone in a few days to replace him. Uh, so I, I, it's kind of a, a, a hopeless venture uh, to go and, and look for someone to replace Carlos Hill. Uh, and, and with that said, if they did bring in someone, I mean, maybe they'll make a minor move. Bruce has said comments before, like, we're good with our roster, we're happy with it, especially last year. And then four days later, um, you know, they traded for Lee Wynn. So it, it's still, I'm sure they're still going to work the phones. I'm sure they're still going to feel out people, um, but I don't expect anyone to leave this team. Uh, and if they do, it might be a very, very minor piece, uh, maybe just to balance the books or to dump some salary. Uh, I can't envision a scenario in which anyone on this team leaves. Um, it, it would have to be a very, very, you know, strange scenario um, for, for someone to leave, or as I say, to balance the books, kind of like a Wilfred Zahibo uh, was traded to, you know, get Tommy McNamara. Maybe maybe a move like that, maybe Earl Edwards Jr. moves or, you know, maybe Luis Caicedo moves or something to that effect. But um, I, I don't think anyone who's getting minutes is, is being traded here um, over the next day. Um, and as I say, I, I don't think we're going to see anything significant. Maybe there's going to be a minor move. Um, I know I've checked out a, a, a few times before, like Omar Gonzalez is in Toronto. Maybe you give them a call and you throw you know, maybe a draft pick at him and take him in a salary dump. The Revs do have some cap space, so they, they could probably take on a salary dump. But does that improve your chances at, you know, MLS Cup? Not not really. It doesn't. Um, so I would like a depth center back at the very least. A move like that is still better than nothing in my, in my eyes. But, um, you know, Bruce moves fast. And the fact that we've gone through this entire transfer window with nothing going on, um, that, that kind of tells me we're not going to get a whole lot. And I, I don't think we're going to be seeing much activity at the transfer window tomorrow. Um, I will say too, that the roster freeze date is different. So they can still sign free agents. Um, so you can still keep an eye out on people who are out of contract. Uh, but anyone uh, who has a contract with team overseas or within MLS that needs to be finalized tomorrow. So there's a bit of a distinction there. The rest can still add free agents in the future, just not via trades, uh, which is what I kind of expected Bruce Arena to do in this transfer window, and I'm, I'm pretty disappointed about it. But anyway, let's move on. We do have some other things to talk about I wanted to get uh, off real quick. Um, actually, we do have a few questions. Uh, let's get through the questions real quick because they do kind of go back into the game a little bit, if that's okay with you, Sam. Um, oh, yeah, let's go. Mike Kennedy asks us, what was the issue on the final third? Lack of communication between the Revs, good button defense by Nashville, uh, all of the above. Uh, so what's your thoughts uh, on the issues in the final third? I, I know we kind of talked about it a little bit uh, with mi- missing Carlos Hill, but anything else uh, that you want to add on, on why the Revs struggled in the final third tonight? Yeah, I would definitely say it's kind of a mix of all both options. But, you know, there were some times I did notice, um, you know, connecting on plays that just some players in the attack did kind of just look a little bit off, not exactly in sync. Obviously, missing Carlos Hill could play a big part of that. Um, but at the end of the day, you also have to recognize that Nashville's a very, you know, solid in, in their back line. Even though they don't have Walker Zimmerman, they're still very solid defensively. Um, so it's a little bit mix of both, but they're, they're, it's definitely fair to say that there were some times where they did look out of sync. 
Yeah, I agree with everything you said there, um, and we, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but yeah, a, a little bit of all of the above, and I I'm, I'm wouldn't take too, too much uh, away from this game here. Uh, we did get another question from Mike Kennedy, uh, not really about tonight, but where's Maciel, uh, Bruce's doghouse seems odd. Uh, Sam, you, you, uh, <laughs> you got, you were in Bruce's doghouse for asking this question, uh, just last week, ironically. Um, I, I, I'll take this one though, uh, about Maciel cause, uh, he was mysteriously out of the lineup, uh, against New York Red Bulls. I believe he was out tonight too. Uh, is that correct? Uh, Sam, I'm trying to remember if he was on the bench. I believe he was on the bench. Yes, he was part of the match day uh, roster. He just was on the bench. Don't believe he was used. But the fact that he was off the roster and is now on the bench and is being used, it's kind of intriguing. And yeah, Bruce was very happy that I asked about Masio. (laughs) Yeah, for those that, that don't know, um, Sam asked uh, for an update on Carlos Hill on Sunday, and Bruce at the time said he was fine. Obviously, we learned later that that wasn't true. Uh, and then Sam also asked about Maciel, and Bruce said, "I'm playing a game. You know, Maciel's in Massachusetts. I'm I'm in New York. Uh, I'm not watching him 24 uh, seven. So you got Bruce. Uh, but I I don't know if I'd go so far to say he is in the doghouse. Uh, it is a little bit odd. And I thought that they could have used him tonight, uh, and instead they went to Emma Boateng. Uh, and they kind of put him kind of on the left side there. Um, and he did fine. I, I didn't have any complaints about it. Uh, but yeah, they went to uh, Tommy McNamara. They went to Emma Boateng. They didn't go to Maciel, which was a little surprising to me. Um, so uh, he, he's not a huge offensive weapon. And if he's coming off of a bit of a knocker, a bit of an injury, uh, maybe this wasn't the right scenario to play him. But I, I wouldn't go so far to say he's in the doghouse. But I think over time, more and more, I think Bruce prefers... Uh, Capitum and Polster as his starting midfield pairing. Uh, and then I think he likes Tommy Mack uh, coming off the bench. So I think we're just going to see less and less of Maciel, not really because of poor performance or because of Doghouse. Uh, I just think Capitum is the starting cent- central midfielder to pair with Polster. Yeah, and it, it's just, it is just interesting because obviously there were some in- injuries to a guy like Capitum and others. Um, so overall, you know, it is interesting to see that he is not. Um, you know, kind of getting that same playing time. But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't exactly think he is in the doghouse. And I'm just going to sidetrack this conversation like Seth did, um, because, of course, our lovely The Bent Musket group chat is just sharing some lovely news that, according to Christian Dyer of MLS Multiplex, Tejon Buchanan is, quote, nearing, quote, nearing a move to a Bundesliga or Champions League or the both side. So I'm going to sidetrack that and say apparently we could be losing Tejan Buchanan rather quickly. Oh, man, this is going to go off the rails again, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. you got to be joking me. Oh, my God. I have to do Seth Proud. Oh, you joking me. Like, uh, hang on a second. All right, in the, I'm going to look this up. Uh, while I'm looking this up and reading this, Sam, we're going to talk about the Gold Cup, uh, and we're going to give our reactions here. I want you to tell me about your your kind of general reactions to the Gold Cup, uh, and who had the more impressive uh, Gold Cup, Matt Turner or Tejan Buchanan? Uh, it's very interesting because I think who made the biggest leaps, I would say Tejan Buchanan. But I would say overall, the best performance I would give to Matt Turner. Obviously, I think Tejan proved just with he him performing on the international stage, playing against you know guys like Mexico and these tough teams. Um, and he did rather well. He just looked at home. It showed that his performance in MLS isn't a fluke, and that you know he's a very talented player, and that all these transfer rumors are worth something. They he deserves to be getting these looks. Um, but overall, I think. At the end of the day, Matt Turner had the better performance. He was absolutely dominant in that for the United States. Um, obviously, they have a solid center back and back line um, pairing. So, you know, that helps, obviously. And they have some great players. But, you know, they were without some great players as well, too. So you have to give them credit. And obviously, here at the Bent Musket, we've been pounding the uh, Matt Turner train when it comes to him possibly getting some serious looks at a... Uh, on the international level, and you know, being that number one guy for Greg Berhalter, I think he proved that he staked his claim. He showed that he can do it. Obviously, we have World Cup qualifying coming coming up, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's at least on the roster. You know, he'll have to compete with Zach Steffen, 
simply just because Zach Steffen is at Man City, even though he doesn't play as much as Turner. But um, overall, I think Matt Turner just had the more dominant performance. Had, had uh, was able to uh, was named, excuse me, the best goalkeeper in the tournament, and I just think he was more dominant and just kind of established his will and was able to show that you know he has could possibly be the number one goalkeeper for the United States. I was going to, my follow-up question there too is, do you think Matt Turner is the number one uh, for the United States? Because a number of people are saying so. Alexi Lalas has said so. Um, a lot of pundits are saying Matt Turner is the number one goalkeeper. Um, and, and before you answer, I'll, I'll give my two cents too, that I, I think he should be the number one goalkeeper. And I went on the stateside soccer show last week. Uh, if you, you have not looked them up, please do. I'll, I'll leave their uh, handle in the show notes to give them a su- subscribe. They cover the United States men's national team and the women's team uh, and MLS. They give recaps every week. You should listen to them. Uh, but but I, what I was telling them last week was, you know, the one concern I have about Matt Turner in this Gold Cup is that he's not going to be challenged enough. And if he wants to really make a splash with the team uh, and with Ochoa at the time uh, who, who was looking like uh, competing for that third goalkeeper spot uh, in Matt Turner's rearview mirror, you know, with him much younger, Matt Turner really has to make an impression now at age 26 to, to stake his claim. Uh, and, and that game was right before Qatar, which Matt Turner played wonderfully. Uh, and then he played wonderfully again in Mexico, wasn't challenged too much in the second half. But, you know, that was the Gold Cup you needed for Matt Turner. He only conceded once, and that was on a penalty kick. Um, just, a, a you know, everything you could have asked for in this Gold Cup, I thought, you know, you got from Matt Turner. And if you ever were open to the idea of Matt Turner as your number one keeper, in my opinion, you should be saying he's your number one keeper. I think the people that are still saying it's Zach Steffen had no intention of ever, you know, having Matt Turner on the depth chart uh, in, in uh, you know, their mind. I think they always were going to say, well, Zach Steffen plays for Man City, therefore he's the number one. Uh, so, I, you know, there's nothing more, more that Matt Turner could have done. Um, and in my opinion... He's the number one uh, for the United States men's national team going forward. And I think the next step is he's going to get some World Cup qualifiers. And I think he's going to prove himself there. And I, I think we might have Matt Turner starting going into the World Cup. Uh, yeah, I would personally love for that to happen. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, Greg uh, kind of has a preference for some of his MLS players. But also, too, I think he has that connection with Zach Steffen, of course. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I me personally, I would probably start Turner over Stefan, but I don't know if that will be what Greg does. Yeah, we're not calling the shots. I guess that's an important distinction to make. But as I say, very, very promising for Matt Turner. Did everything you could have asked for. And, you know, he won a gold cup. Not a lot of you know, American players can say they've, uh, uh, you know, beat Mexico in the gold cup. Uh, and Matt Turner was one of the most valuable players in that tournament. So um, really, really happy for him and, and everything he uh, accomplished in that tournament. Let's get to this Tejan Buchanan news, uh, which has thoroughly thrown me off, and I'm going. I'm, I'm reading this as we're going here. It's not as bad as you you made made it sound here, Sam. Uh, and, and it's also I have, worth. <laughs> it's I have also, to make it sound bad. Well, it's also worth noting too that because the transfer window closes tomorrow, this move might have to be done tomorrow. Um, but it it is so so it's coming to a close, but uh, the. The source has said that the Revolution are attempting to transfer the player out, uh, attempt uh, transfer Buchanan out, and then loan him back through the remainder of the season, which is what uh, Philadelphia did with Brendan Aronson last year. That is what I expected the Revolution to do, uh, if mm-hmm. anything, with Buchanan this year. So it does not impact their chances uh, for the MLS Cup this season. Uh, and I think that's a really, really important distinction to make. So the Revolution will know how much they're getting, uh, and they kind of lock in that price, but they still get the benefit of playing him uh, throughout the rest of the season, which I think is is very very important. So uh, the two teams that are listed as the favorite is uh, had it here a second ago. Club Brugge in Belgium and Freiburg in Germany. So those are two interesting team names. Not not Juventus. Uh, not not some of the bigger clubs we've heard. Uh, but those are still some some pretty big clubs over in Europe that uh, you know it, it's very excited to see players on the Revolution linked to. Um, Sam, anything to add? Any any reaction to this news? Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that the Revolution are, of course, you know, trying to make it a loan back because, again, losing Tejan would be humongous. It's just seeing how the deal works out. Obviously, I think it would be pretty hard to do a deal with the Revolution right now um, if it doesn't involve Tejan being loaned back. But it also does depend on the player. If Tejan, you know, said it's his dream to, you know, our city has Europe. European aspirations and 
we've seen players from North America go over the Club Bruges and, you know, getting to play for, you know, Freiburg would be a pretty big deal, you know. So, um, and obviously there's plenty of ties to the Bundesliga to players in North America, specifically if you look at Canada, you have Alfonso Davies uh, playing for Bayern Munich. Um, so overall, I mean, again, it doesn't really surprise me. Of course, when you just see that Tejan Buchanan is going to be transferred soon, you, your heart skips a beat. Um, but overall, you know, if they're able to get him to agree to a, tran- a loan back, it should be fine and it will actually be a good thing because you'll know that you're going to make this profit on a Tijon and knowing that, you know, you have this plan in the works, but um, you just kind of got to depend on making sure you get that loan back and that Tejon isn't kind of dead set on moving to Europe. Um, so overall, you know, I don't think you slap the pan- panic button and think that Tejon Buchanan is gone, um, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on whether a move is made or not. Yeah, could you imagine Carlos Hill being injured and then the very next day we get news that Buchanan's been transferred out for, you know, but he's, it's not a loan back. Oh my goodness, could you imagine the reaction? My goodness, social media would be awful. Um, the, the hashtag would have literally exploded. Like Twitter itself, the servers, they wouldn't be able to handle it. And it would, I, I, can't, I can't imagine it, Greg. They would shut can't. down Twitter. <laughs> they would shut down Twitter uh, and, and Rev's Twitter would explode. Um, that everything Golden Hand would have said would have come true. I mean, it would have been just an absolute mess. Um, yeah, yeah. I, this this news, I mean, it, it's obviously very big, and I'm very excited to see where the, the current number comes out. But I think this doesn't shock me totally. And you know, I want to amend what I said earlier about no players going out. I, I guess I mean, meant uh, you know, no no players who are currently on the Revs are, are not going to be playing for the Revs uh, this weekend. Um, I, I a move like this makes a ton of sense, and as you said, you want to lock in that value right now because uh, you don't know if Tejan is going to get hurt. Uh, you know, a month from now, or, you know, in, in that case, you, you want that profit, uh, you know, and you want that sale price secured, uh, you know, just so, you know, he doesn't lose any value now uh, until the end of the year. Uh, one more person that actually we heard this uh, today that also has European interest, uh, Dewan Jones, which is the first time we've heard this news. Uh, Soccer by Ives reported this um, kind of out of the blue. Uh, didn't really know where this was coming from. Obviously, very well deserved from Dewan Jones, but European teams love their speedy wingbacks. Um, I've reported that two Bundesliga teams are interested. He is also drawing interest from Belgium and Greece. Uh, and the article also noted that he is signed through 2023. Uh, the Revolution have team options on Dewan Jones's contract uh, for 2022 and 2023, which you have to assume, uh, you know, the, both options would be exercised. So, team under team control through 2023. Um, Sam, what are your thoughts about Dewan Jones uh, and European interest? Um, and, you know, w- what's your overall reaction here? Yeah, I mean, overall, you know, we've all seen that Dewan has have a pretty good season, but I won't lie. When I saw this report, I was kind of stunned. I was like, whoa. Um, obviously, I think it comes down to he's a very fast player. Um, he's been able to develop, um, you know, obviously a lot of talk around his left foot. But, you know, he's been able to develop as a player. He's been a threat. Um in the attack, you know, there's been some times where he might not look um, the best defending, but overall, you know, this has been a very good season for him. So the fact that he does have Bundesliga clubs and, you know, possibly could, you know, is att- possibly is attracting their interest is, you know, very good for him. You know, also it's kind of a testament to the team that the Revs have. And, you know, this just shows how talented they are and that they should be competing for an MLS Cup. Um, but overall, I'm not going to lie, it kind of shocked me a bit, but... It'll be interesting to see if anything does come of it. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if that's something that uh, the one wants, you know, to go play over in Europe. Um, but overall, I would say, while it shocked me, it doesn't surprise me because, you know, when you have a fast player who has skill like he does and is able to make that effect on the attack, you know, people are going to pay attention, especially when you have Tejan Buchanan on the other side of the field also paying attention. You know, you're going to have teams looking at Tejan and being surprised by how well the lawn's playing. So overall, you know, it's good for news for him and good news for the team that, you know, this many players are attracting European interest. Yeah, and boy, it's starting to kind of feel, I don't want to say like an exodus is happening, but uh, Buchanan, I would say, is gone at this point. Uh, Even if this move tomorrow doesn't happen, I think the Revolution are motivated to uh, sell him in the winter. Uh, Matt Turner, you know, he signed contract extensions, but he's always got the European interest there. Um, I, I don't know what his... 
status is, if he's going to stay long-term or if he's going to move. Uh, and then we also have the issue of Gustavo Bo's contract is up at the end of the year. That's a really you know big issue uh, that is kind of going by the wayside for the time being. Uh, and now we have Dewan Jones uh, being linked to European teams. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets sold in the winter. I wouldn't be shocked if the Revs uh, kind of sell off uh, some of this young talent uh, and kind of reboot uh, and kind of build a new core uh, around Carlos Hill, who they've locked down long term. Uh, you know, it, it, it would be sad to see. I think Dewan Jones has really improved year over year. Um, but, you know, if a team comes calling and if they're willing to offer seven figures for Dewan Jones, I, I think that's a very, very tempting offer. Um, and you got to remember, too, Dewan Jones, you know, he came out of the Super Draft and Super Draft players are very cheap and very you know team friendly contracts coming out of the the draft. Um, he signed a contract extension after his rookie year, which moved him from the supplementer, supplemental to the senior roster. Um, so he got a, a raise there, but um, I don't know the exact number, but he's still, I think at most, he might still be making five figures. He might be in the low 100 thousands. Um, you know, he, he's going to be due for a very big raise uh, come the end of his contract. So uh, I, I think if you're the revolution, you know, that's a player that if you have some interest and that's, you know, you want to strike while the iron hot. And if a team is from Belgium or Greece or Germany is offering you a lot for this speedy wingback, um, I, I think you probably want to take the jump too, especially if you're already taking the jump with losing uh, Buchanan and Turner uh, and Bo. I, I think that breaking in all this cash uh, and, and, you know, you reapplying that, that money to the transfer window and bringing in new players might be necessary anyway. Uh, so yeah, I, I, it would be, it would be tough to see him go, but, uh, it's, it's never a bad thing when you have players on your team, multiple players on your team attracting European interest. Um, no, go ahead, Sam. No. And yeah, I was just going to say, you know, obviously when Christian Mafo was brought in, it, he was supposed to be the starter at least, you know, especially, I know I can speak for myself. He was supposed to be the starter and the one really came in and it was taking that spot from him, you know, obviously, uh, Christian Mafla has had to deal with injuries, but, you know, DeWan Jones has played so well that it's his spot now. And obviously, too, you know, if you were to lose a guy like DeWan, you do have a player like Christian Mafla who can come in. Obviously, Mafla, you know, definitely hasn't performed up to the level that we've been expecting. But at one point, they were expecting him to be a starter. So, you know, like you said, striking when the iron's hot. And compared to Tejon, where I think that value might stay a little bit, when it comes to DeWan, I think... I don't want to say he's a flash in the pan, but, you know, I definitely would say the window's shorter. So, you know, if you are getting that interest, you kind of got to strike when it's happening. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. But, you know, again, just a testament to the players that are on this team. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say a flash in the pan because I, I think he's improved year over year. But, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's uh, one of those things where, uh, you know, he's getting to an age where, you know, he's not necessarily a young, uh, you know, wing back at 25, 26, but 23, 24, uh, that's, you know, 22, 23, 24. I think he's 20. No, he's probably 23 at this point, I believe. Uh, I'd have to look that up, but you get the point here. You know, the value at that point might start going down a little bit. Uh, and, and the Revs obviously will have less leverage with one year left on his contract as opposed to two. Um, so this might be a scenario in which the Revs, uh, you know, if they're looking for cash that they can reapply or you know if we wanted to keep, take the skeptical view of robert Kraft, uh profit uh you know i i think the winter window might be one where you are looking to sell to juan jones um and as you say he's never gone into the year as the starting left back he's either um you know displanted uh mafla or he's displanted uh alexander butner or he's displanted uh uh what edgar castillo so uh, Gabriel Somi, you know, whoever, I, I don't remember who it was three years ago, but every year we have a new left back and they never pan out. So, um, as, as much as we appreciate Dwan Jones holding that down, uh, I don't know if that is, you know, that, that seems to be a piece that the revs, I don't want to say are looking to replace, but they're fine looking for a new left back. Uh, and, and as I say, not splurging, they don't want to splurge on Dwan Jones's contract. They don't want to give him half a million dollars to play left back uh, every year. Um, not that he'd make half a million dollars, but you get my point. They they, they might want to sell him for profit before giving him a raise and renegotiating a contract. Um, let's wrap up here real quick. We got some more news here. Four All-Stars, Gustavo Bo, Carlos Hill, Matt Turner, and Tejan Buchanan. Uh, Sam, real quick, uh, any surprises from you? Anyone snubbed? Uh, what's your reactions there? Um, it was a long shot, but I think Matt Polster has been really underappreciated. Uh, he might be appreciated here in New England, but I think he's had a really good season um, holding that defensive midfield down. 
So I don't know if you want to say a snub because I didn't really expect him to get in. But, you know, just giving him a shout out because, you know, he's definitely had a very, I would say, underrated season. He's done rather well and has been a key piece for the club. Um, but overall, I wouldn't really say any surprises. Um, me personally, you know, I voted for uh, Carlos Heel and I, and Matt Turner. And I don't think I voted for Tejon, actually. I might have, but I can't I can't say if I did or not. I'm going to be perfectly honest. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm surprised to see Tejon because he just has had that much of an impact. Um, so he definitely deserves it. Um, I'm was a little surprised to see Gustavo Bo because he's kind of had more of a recent push, but obviously with the goal numbers that he's putting up, you know, competing for that golden boot definitely is someone who is deserving of it. So overall, I wouldn't say there's really any surprises, any crazy, um, misses, especially from the revolution. Um, I think really the, the, the fans and everyone really got it right. You know, it was good to see the commissioner make sure that, you know, Tejan was a part of the roster. And, yeah, I think they did a pretty good job when it came to the All-Star roster. Yeah, and, and I will say, too, uh, I was I believe this was Sean Donahue's take, uh, but he said Matt Polster, he thought Matt Polster was more deserving of an All-Star nod than Tejan Buchanan. Uh, and, and Tejan Buchanan, I think, kind of got in because of his big name, and he was the commissioner's pick, which normally goes to a big-name player. Uh, so I think that might have been, hey, this guy's going to be sold to a European team and just had a phenomenal Gold Cup campaign with Canada. Let's put him in the All-Star game. I think that might have been what that pick was about. Um, not to say that Tejan Buchanan hasn't been wonderful for the Revolution this season. He hasn't been a weapon. Uh, but we see him come off early. We see him come off after 90 minutes. Um, you know, he, he's certainly not to Carlos Hill's level or Gustavo Bo's level. I think Gustavo Bo certainly earned his nod because of the goal total. Uh, and I think Matt Turner also uh, deserved a all-star nod. Although, ironically, I think you could say that this is one of his, uh, maybe not worst season, but I think last year he was better. I think two years ago he was better than his current season. But it's finally nice to see him now recognized uh, on the league-wide scale either way. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm surprised by any of these four players or or any of them weren't deserving. Um, but I would have liked to have seen Matt Polster on there because I think he's put in a phenomenal season. I think it's gone by pretty quietly. Um, and I, I think a lot of people, even here in New England, don't realize uh, how well he's played, um, especially with a rotating cast of players uh, pairing with him in the midfield. So, um, yeah, I think that's the only real kind of snub. Uh, but I can't say I'm, I'm really surprised by it as well. Some people said Adam Buxka, Buxa um, because of his goal total. Uh, but I don't think he had much of a chance just because that striker position is so loaded. Uh, and also because he was, you know, didn't start a number of games. Uh, and, and he might go back to the bench uh, once the Revolution are back at full strength with Carly Seal and Tejan Buchanan on the, the field. So I'm um, not sure if he really was deserving of a all-star bid. Although uh, we, we, you know, I do appreciate some people still standing uh, Adam Books at this point. So. Um, Sam, I think that wraps us up here today. I appreciate you sticking with us. You're recording from the uh, uh, press box. Uh, I think you're the first person to ever record from the press box, so I really appreciate you hanging in there. Uh, any final thoughts here? And also, can you give uh, people where where can people find you on social media? Yeah, you know, final thoughts would be very interesting to see what happens in Philadelphia, and also, especially I know for me and you and everybody at this event, Musket will continue to be on Carlos Heel Watch. Um, but overall, make sure to uh, give me a follow on Twitter at Sam underscore Minton 22. Um, also, feel, make sure to follow the Bent Musket. Pretty sure it's just at the Bent Musket. And, you know, just follow us there. We have a ton of, you know, great stuff. Seth continues to do great stuff. Jake, Joss, also this guy named Greg. He's pretty cool, too. Um, so make sure to check us out at the Bent Musket. And kind of echoing what uh, Seth said, um, just, you know, obviously we do this for the the love of the game and for the love of the club so just giving us a retweet doesn't cost you anything uh giving us a like engaging with us just like engaging with reds recap giving them a review and engaging them with them on twitter you know it might seem like a very simple thing but you know it definitely means a lot to all of us so i think that was very well said boss uh and and yeah <laughs> i'm very happy to be aboard with the bunt musket team uh, i know i've only contributed one article in my one no, month you, you, on the, you've contributed the... to you've contributed to i don't care what seth says you've contributed to two articles i was part of a round table where i wrote a paragraph uh but yes I, i'm very proud to uh be joining with you guys it's been something i've been looking forward to a while so make sure you're following uh, at the bent musket on twitter or just bookmark them uh on your browser and check in every day uh and you'll get to see uh what i write if you uh love my uh somewhat somewhat okay opinions uh 
you can follow us at Revolution. Oh, actually, wait, before I go, I do have some other news. We did get a comment or a tweet from uh, James Downing who wants us to know that Diego Fagundes had an assist tonight in the August F- Austin FC game. Uh, so congrats to Diego. And I also want to actually just call out uh, Jake Katniss for the worst take ever, yep. where he said that uh, with Carlos Hill injury, he, he said he'd call Austin FC for Diego Fagundes, uh, which is a horrible idea. Uh, just I mean, be- is it? Is it? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> I, I mean, Diego Fagundes has been waiting to escape New England for two plus years. Oh, well, for him, it's definitely terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think we want ha- uh, Diego Fagundes half-assing it back in New England. I don't think that's a really great idea. And it didn't end well with uh, him and, and Bruce Arena, it seemed like. Uh, and I, I believe he's on a long-term contract, so that's not a one-year rental either. So, um, you know, maybe you make a call uh, over to Vietnam uh, and you see how Lee Wynn's doing and see if you could loan him for a couple months. Maybe that's a little more reasonable. Uh, but uh, Diego Fagundes... I, I think his, he is not returning to New England as long as Bruce Arena is there. Uh, maybe someday. Maybe he comes back and he breaks that. Uh, actually, he probably won't break the appearance record because uh, Andrew Farrell is going to smash it. Uh, but maybe maybe he comes back and gets one more and passes Shawry at some point. But I don't think it's going to be in 2021. So uh, thumbs down to Jake Katniss. I tried, I tried making you look good, Jake. I'm sorry. Uh, that's tough to do. That is very tough to do. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, you can follow us at Revolution Recap on Twitter. You can also like our Revolution Recap Facebook page and our Revolution Recap Instagram pages. Big thank you to the people who got us to 100 uh, uh, followers on Instagram. You are greatly, greatly appreciated. And you're the reason for this podcast. I tweeted out uh, if we got to 100 followers, uh, I would uh, do this podcast. Uh, And I want to thank Justin Johnson. Uh, Justin K. Johnson was our 100th follower. So this podcast goes to you, Justin Johnson, uh, and also uh, Matthew Korzak. Uh, you know, you were follower 102, but we still appreciate you just as much. So thank you to you both uh, for giving us a follow on Instagram after I begged you to on Twitter. That does it for us. We'll be back with a podcast on Sunday night, Monday morning to recap the Philadelphia Union game. Until then, thank you everyone for listening and go Revs. <laughs>